Welcome to Billcaster's Gaiden, the podcast that probes anime harder than Robert Mueller's Trump investigation. I'm the macabre chap, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Lambo, and I'm a guest. Hello, I'm Meta, and I somehow came back. It's Sunglass Free! <laughs> We're all, like, awkward right now. The loudest people ever are just like, meep, meep, meep. Well, because we don't have to talk over 11 different people. At the same time, this is kind of refreshing, too, because I don't have to be all the way engaging. First of all, thank you for letting me be here, Ash. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. It's awesome to have you here, man. It's been a very, very, very long time since we last spoke. Yes. Yes, it has been. So everybody now knows that not only do I like Karate Bugman and Super Sentai stuff, I also like robot anime fighting. And God, does Gridman have good robot anime fighting. It does. If you don't like robot anime fighting, then what are you even doing here on Earth? They scrolls. They, they blend it in. <laughs> yeah, you if, you don't, if you don't like Gridman, you're a scroll. It's confirmed. Mm, All right? Scroll. You're going to have Carol Danvers slap you. I'm coming for you. Like Booker T. Pop, pop. We coming for you, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So on today's episode of Billcaster's Guiding, we are going to be discussing episodes 9 and 10 of SSSS Gridman. So, guys, do you want to just get straight in? Billcaster's Guiding is a podcast where there's little preparation, little notes. We just get straight into discussing the weep shit. So, guys, um, so much go ahead. Happened. I don't even remember where, where to start. So start on episode nine. Yo, they were all I, trapped in a dream. This is by far my favorite kaiju design. Yeah, this is by far my favorite. It looked so elegant. It looked and like one of the legendary Pokemon from Gen 4 Pokemon. I, love I got it. I got that Arceus <laughs> feel too, or Dialgo. Yeah. I got that feel from it too, but I just love the way it just kind of just stood there. And with in the fact that it had color and had a design to it, when the first shot of it introduces, you realize this is not one of just those regular statue kaiju. Not just one of the ones yeah. that's just chilling normally. This is the one that's active right now. Yeah. But it ain't hit nothing yet. Can we appreciate that Akane, being the sociopathic, psycho crazy bitch she is, that right after all that happened and her massive failure to brute force Gridman away, she's just like, I'm going to put him on a dream. That'll solve the problem. It's, well, it's so interesting how her methods have shifted between episode <laughs> nine and episode 10, because if anything, both of these episodes are more focused on building Akane's character rather than the characters of the Gridman Alliance. So it's yeah. interesting to see how... She hits this real existential crisis point and how that affects her at the end of episode 10. But we'll get into yeah. that later. <laughs> yeah, you say build the character, but I feel like it's more like taking a hammer to her and just like shattering her. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, best best girl, Alexis, is in the back like, yep, yep. I like to imagine under all of that just shroud is just some hands, Birdman hand rubbing just nefariously. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so, while she's just having this, just falling apart, he's just like, oh, hey, just calm and regular. Like, hey, I know that stuff is looking sad for you, but would you like to make a kaiju? Like, no, I don't want to hear the frozen song of would you like to make a kaiju? No. We're, we're on the same wavelength right now. I'm the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, man, he's just yucking it up in the background. He just I'm surprised no. that joke wasn't made yet. You guys mean to tell me that you guys <laughs> didn't make that joke yet? I mean, no. to make an anime reference to sum up, like, the plot of these two episodes is basically <laughs> the melancholy of Arcane Shinjo. Like, it's really, really that bad. It shows that she's basically completely broken individual and that, um, like, her loneliness as an individual is basically fueling all of the psychopathic acts that she's carrying out. My favorite way to describe Akane right now is that Akane, if I had to write it in a sentence and send it to you, it would be Akane is a god with a lowercase g, because she's definitely losing control. That's, that's what we were talking about <laughs> in this episode, where we were saying that Akane has control over a lot of what happens in the world, but it's becoming increasingly clear that she's not the one who originally brought it forth. Like, the, whatever substance this world is made out of, she's not the one that caused it. She shapes it, and she has control over certain aspects of it, but she's not the one that's in control. And as you said, that falls apart in these two episodes. And as you see her lose control, and as the desperation sets in, you'll see the lengths that she's willing to go to to maintain that control. And like, 
it is completely and utterly unnerving like completely and utterly unnerving but we'll come on to that when we speak about episode 10 go on meta um god what can i contribute here besides that whenever the armaments the the uh the evangelion club we're gonna call them that (laughs) whenever they come together and form that giant robot i forget the name of it offhand i just call it thunder grid man Oh no, it's full-powered Gridman is what it is. So the um, combined form with Gridman is full-powered Gridman, and then the combined form without Gridman is called Powered Xenon. Yeah, Powered Xenon. Okay. Yeah, they said the name once, and I was like, I'm not going to remember that. That's facts. I sure didn't. (laughs) But it looks so crisp. Um, I want the word denial to stick with you when you go back and watch episode 9. And then when you go back and watch episode 10, I want you to think about the word anger. Yes, absolutely. Anger, probably just like sheer rage, like silent rage. I, it's, well, not that, even, it's not even that. Um, man, we just really want to fucking talk about episode ten, don't we? <laughs> like, yeah, God damn it, that's where, that's where. No, I want to talk about the part where Xenon rips the wings off. Uh, no, Gridman rips the wings off of the kaiju. It quickly appears, and then Xenon shows up to kick its ass. It was dope, but Viral Jr. Viral Jr. said oh, it all. Oh my god. Yeah, anti. What, is that what you're calling him? Yeah. I love it. Viral Jr. Yes. Yeah. Just like Parade and Luigi and Comrade XA. This is just Viral Jr. This is it. This is it. This is him. He got to get his redemption and he looks cool doing it. And that's what we're all excited for. So, did, did, did I just die? Did everybody just no, die? I, I, no. So there's, there's, a, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about before we jump into episode Please 10. Please do. And and I also need to like give some more thoughts on episode 9 before we jump into episode 10 as well. But go ahead, Pri. Yeah. The energy so, is very high. I apologize. So episode 9, I'm going to borrow from Mock Dent on Twitter. Go follow him because he's awesome. And he's been doing recaps of a lot of stuff that Gridman does that reference other shows, whether they're mecha anime or other Super Riot productions. And he points out that um, episode nine has a lot in common with Ultraman episodes that are directed by Akio Jishoji, who is kind of a prolific uh, Ultraman writer. And he passed away in, when was it? Let me check. 2006 but he was responsible for a lot of different episodes and all of them have a really distinctive dreamlike feel and this episode since most of it takes place inside the dream world is cut kind of similarly where you've got like this constant callback to a shot of the road being blocked as a train passes and then they call back to that train again when we see all three of the characters after they've realized that they've been trapped in a dream all of them start running towards where junk is in order to call Gridman. Also, I was just going to say, Akane runs in the opposite direction. Yeah, that's a really cool touch. And it's something actually I didn't pick up on until somebody pointed out. Whereas all the characters are trying to reach Gridman to fight against the kaiju once they realize that it's a dream. Mm-hmm. And that I itself just... is a callback to the first episode when we see um, uh, Yuta running back to junk to join with Gridman for the first fight. Yeah. But as Ash pointed out, Akane is running in the opposite direction. So like what you said, um, Lambo about denial, she wants to keep everybody in this dream. And she genuinely does not understand why people don't want to be her friend, why people don't want this illusion, why they want to wake up for it. She's like, why can't this continue forever? I was going to say, um, shout out to my son, Proto Dub, because we've been talking about this too. Uh, one thing that he mentioned is that he likes the way that he Hibiki was built for Inakane's quote-unquote world as if he was the boyfriend of all of the yeah. boys that she could have chose. She could have been with old boy who liked Kaiju, uh, Kaiju just as much as her. Good to me. She chose, yeah, but he chose Hibiki. Mm. Why Hibiki? I think she liked Hibiki off. Uh, she's always liked Hibiki, but Hibiki started liking. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on names. Rika, I'm a terrible Rika. person. Rika, she felt some type of way about that, and that's why she flipped that over. I feel like all three characters are an ideal friend for her, but going back to what Pre said. There's no point in living in a dream world. Absolutely. I don't know. I feel like Utsumi would unfortunately be that boyfriend since they're both into the kaiju and stuff. I mean, have you seen Akane's room? I I've seen like... it. Well, if, if, because we've gotten a lot of hints over these two episodes, nine and 10, that Utsumi so, likes her. 
Not yeah. that Utsumi likes her, that these may not actually be real people. They might all be oh. artificial constructs. So if Akane is creating this ideal life, if they're not actually based off of people that exist outside of the computer world, then she didn't, when Utsumi was created, she didn't want somebody to be a boyfriend because she's already got Yuta. She wanted somebody, oh crap, you know, I just realized something. I figured out why Yuta's the ultimate boyfriend material because he's completely loyal and self-sacrificing. And that's what makes him a really good partner for Gridman. But if he was created by Akane to be a boyfriend, those would also be really good traits to have for a boyfriend too. Absolutely. Um, What I was going to say is that um, the dream sequence of them running in opposite directions um, is basically like the the Gridman Alliance, even though um, like the Kaiju and all these attacks may seem quite fantastical to them, they're always like quite pragmatic and they have a good grip on reality. So I see them running in that direction as them running towards reality and always accepting reality. Whereas um, Akane running in the opposite direction is basically an allegory about how she's unwilling to accept the reality of the situation that she finds herself in. Yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. Meanwhile, we see the awakening of Viral Jr., a.k.a. Auntie, uh, <laughs> in this episode, too. Well, we've seen a lot, and I know you guys have touched on this, but from my perspective, what I like about Auntie is I, I knew Auntie's whole thing. I knew he was going to get a redemption arc, but I didn't know it was going to be what it was. Oh, but yeah, I wasn't expecting it to get that far either. Watching him develop was like, it's only a matter of time before he starts feeling something or start seeing something absolutely and every, and every time he's around he's around when akane is just feeling sad because hakaiju just got molly walked by a grit man <laughs> and then she beats him <laughs> and and she's just like uh and then she just expresses his anger out i mean she expresses her anger out on him and he just takes it yeah Pretty much. Yeah, but that's the only that's the only thing. He's like a child. That's all he emulates as well is anger because that's all well, he knows. Until gonna... Rika finds him. And, and then him. he has an example of how to respond to people in a way that's empathetic, that's caring about them. Like Rika takes him home and gives him a bath and gives him food and everything. When the kids go missing in episode nine, Auntie literally shows up at junk store going like, I don't have anywhere to go and I need something to eat. Also, I want to fight Gridman, but then he just like faints clear away. So they give him food. I'm sorry. I wanted to just pick back real quick and say after those points, every moment that he went back to Akane was him saying, hey, I, I kind of get emotions. You must be sad. Do you need somebody here with you? <laughs> <laughs> Cell phone. <laughs> Cell phone. <laughs> Every time, cell phone to the face. What I was going to say is that um, there's like foreshadowing about Auntie's redemption arc in a way from like the earlier episodes. Because if you remember when Yuta um, first saw Auntie, I think it might have been episode two. He was he hesitated to attack him because he thought he was human. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, as the series goes on and Auntie has interacted with humans more and more, you've seen him develop human like qualities. and, And also, in addition to that, in this series so far, there's only been two kaiju with human-like appearances. The one in episode 6 that obviously explains to Yuta um, the circumstances of the world in which they exist and obviously anti. And um, what I was going to say is that other kaiju was helpful as well, like was was human-like in a sense. So that kind of, kind of felt like they, there's a clear distinction between kaiju who are purely monsters, who purely exist for destruction and kaiju who have human facades or who have an outwardly human appearance and their propensity to um, develop more human-like emotions. At first I was confused because they do make a very clear distinction between humans and kaiju and Akane herself even says that kaiju exist for destruction Absolutely. and that's it. They show up, they wreck cities, that's all they do. Whereas if you can empathize with other people, if you can see those emotions and if you recognize them and also reach out to people because of that connection, that's what makes people human. Yeah, absolutely. So Auntie develops that. And the reason why, and at first I thought the show was breaking its own rules because I was like, wait a second, Anacilius, or however they pronounce it, showed up earlier. And that kaiju has a human form, is helpful. Mm you know, absolutely out to other people and is not one that Akane made. And absolutely. then I realized that there's a reason why that Kaiju has a human form. And it's because it, it or its predecessor already interacted with Gridman in the original series. Yeah. Now, Auntie has a human form to start with. 
because he was specifically made to copy and counter everything Gridman does. And obviously Gridman has a human form. And Gridman has a human form. Utah. That Yeah. So that's why Andy copies it. And that's why he eventually gains the ability to have that emotional connection. Absolutely. Because now he's copied every other power up that Gridman has. And then he has that human heart. And that's what makes him different from the other kaiju. Yep. Pretty much. Well, you said what I said, but just with a lot more detail and a lot more eloquently. So, yeah. Just, hey, that's like, sometimes you got to say things twice or three times so people can understand it. Absolutely. There's somebody now, there's somebody now right now shaking their head going, oh, yeah, that's that's what the, I yeah, get the point now. That was, I, I that get was the first thing. Because that, that was me a few seconds ago. Teaching. That was the first thing I had to learn when I was teaching is that people aren't going to remember stuff if you just say it once to them. I also like how um, this series, like kind of as like a subplot almost, is asking questions about what is human, what humanity is, and what makes somebody human. And I think that's quite a philosophical thing to do. And I find that quite interesting. I think it gives this anime more depth than just your normal run of the mill 12 episode anime. I mean, I could be wrong. Do you agree, Pri, or disagree? No, I agree completely. And the other interesting thing is that we also see a direct contrast to Auntie's situation. Because yeah. in the same scene where Akane is describing Kaiju, she also points out that, you know, Auntie has that empathy. And the unspoken counter to that then is that Akane doesn't. Absolutely. She, des- she describes Kaiju as only existing to mess up people's lives. And it's very obvious that that's how she sees herself. That's why she empathizes with Kaiju. That's why she's fans of them. But then they bring up a point where Auntie talks about her eyes. Because she says that Auntie's eyes are more like a human's because mm-hmm. he develops that heart. And then Auntie goes, but your eyes are. And then she cuts him off. So there's a very clear there's a very clear implication yeah. that Akane has more in common with the kaiju than she does humans. Absolutely. And it's a nice juxtaposition because Auntie's essentially a kaiju who has developed human qualities. Whereas Akane is what we think, we're not sure yet, but what we think is a human being. But she's more like the kaiju. So like she's right. so Auntie's basically developed humanity or gained humanity. That's his prize for being able to empathize with human beings. Whereas Akane has kind of forsaken her humanity in order to carry out these heinous acts against the inhabitants of Susuji Dai. Yeah. And as a response, I think that a lot of the kaiju designs that we're going to see in the future are going to be a lot more dark, going to be a lot more Horrendous. twisted, a lot more aggressive. Because now we're going to be playing with the deep, dark parts of Akane. Well, possibly. The fact that that you said deep, dark part, um, it's no coincidence. So there's two kaiju for episode 10. There's sort of like the strawberry marshmallow dinosaur that makes cute squeaky noises and then gets curb stomped by Gridman. And -hmm. then out of that kaiju, because that's basically a a half-made kaiju form that she just kind of threw aside and went, good enough, I don't care about this. And out of that kaiju, then, we see this really, uh, I, I mean, they're all monstrous looking, but really frighteningly bizarre shape for a kaiju. It's this long, pointy figure, and it's got this <laughs> big gash in the middle with this huge glowing eye in the center. And it's no coincidence that if you look at the design of it, it looks really similar to a Metron alien from the Ultraman series. And that's important because Lambo, you described this as her deepest, darkest part of herself. The episode where Metron was introduced in Ultra 7, which is really, really infamous for sort of highlighting the darkest parts of humanity. Because the whole plot of the episode is that if you take away the trust that people have between others, if they lose that connection of empathy, then they become really violent and lash out against everything around them. Which is what the alien tries to take advantage of to destroy human society. And so I think it's really appropriate then that this kaiju looks a lot like a Metron alien because that's basically what happens to Akane at this point. She realizes how completely isolated she is from humanity and just breaks. Yeah, pretty much. She completely forsakes her humanity. Pri, you just said that those aliens use like your negative emotions, right? You said they... They kind of preyed yeah, on. Yeah, they, they've got they 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 had this plan to sort of like make people distrust each other, and they proved that when that happened, the people who were affected by like this alien drug that they were using mm-hmm. immediately tried to just kill everybody in sight and attack everything. I didn't mean to tangent this real bad, but yeah. I just had like the funniest thought. Was somebody's like, "Can't you see they're trying to control you, nigga? Your mom was trying to control me. What?" And then they just started into a fight. <laughs> uh oh. Speaking of homies, hello, sir. 
Hey. Oh, we have another guest star. <laughs> we have Pepper. another guest. Pepper, say hello to Bill Caster. That you got nothing. There you go. There we we'll go. edit that in. That's translation. <laughs> that's translation for good man's amazing. Go watch it. He, is. he he watches it with me on the couch. No lie. Dead us. Mm-hmm. If I'm on the couch, a lot of times in my office, he'll pop right up. Wait, you and have an office on the couch? Yeah. Uh, when I moved into my new home, oh, uh, yeah. we took the top bedrooms. Um, the biggest one. We just turned that into my office. Oh yeah, you talked about it on QMBS twenty. Yeah, man. I promise that's not a plug. <laughs> it, it's most definitely not. Please, please, please. Me and my girlfriend did that one. It was cool. Please go. Please go listen to it. <laughs> but um, I love that a that design. I love the concept of the kaiju from uh, episode ten. Just how you get this soft, sweet, playful thing that's just like okay, it's not over. Um, you know, for normal then, people watching it, or at least general people, hey man, they fought this this monster halfway through the episode. It ain't over yet. Can't be over yet. It's got to. I be know more. he pulls out his most powerful combination first. That always means that it's not over yet. <laughs> it's never over then. What I also really liked about this episode and the series in general, and I think Mac Dents brought this up and so has Mother's Basement on YouTube, is how the fight was choreographed as if it was a live action toku. Like you see the um, the bigger marshmallow strawberry rabbit monster or whatever it was moves around like, like a proper, proper rubber suit. But then the um, the more powerful form that was concealed within inside it and you see it flipping around and stuff, that's done as if it's like wire work. Because it's a more compact suit, you can imagine that be easier to do the wire work if you see what i mean compared to the other monster yeah. which had very yeah. limited range of motion and it was a much bigger suit and it moved around as if there was a human actor in there they animated mr common rider in that suit <laughs> all, much. All, the, yeah. all the kaiju up to this point have been based off of traditional tropes for kaiju because is a big fan of kaiju so they're all based yeah. off of things that she would recognize but after this point we've been saying when she breaks well both auntie and akane were having the question of you know why do i feel like i I have to fight Gridman. Why do I feel like I have to make Kaiju all the time? And Anki finds his answer. It's because he wants that connection with Gridman. He wants to fight with Gridman rather than just defeating him. Absolutely. Akane finds her answer in that she wants to make Kaiju because she likes seeing stuff get destroyed. And so that's what the monster that comes out of her original Kaiju becomes. It just becomes this monster that's bent on destroying Gridman, even if it doesn't look pretty, even if it doesn't use traditional tropes for Kaiju, it is there to kill Gridman. Absolutely. And when it fails, it brings us to the other big shocker of the end of this episode. Before we get onto that, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it yet. The dream that Akane has or nightmare that Akane has at the oh, beginning yeah. of episode 10 signifies her descent into an existential crisis and madness. Um, so basically what happens in the nightmare or dream. So she goes into class as normal and then Tonkawa appears and the girls that were murdered in episode one. And she's just like, what? Yeah, but the bitch is supposed to be dead. So she finds that a little bit unnerving. And then all the people that she's murdered over the course of the series, right up to episode 10, start appearing in front of her one after the other. And then she obviously wakes up and realizes that it's a nightmare. And then obviously Alexis Kerib is standing over her. So yeah, that was actually quite interesting. And it was a nice signifier of her descent down a darker path. Yeah, Big because up. if she can't control the city anymore, if all of her kaiju fail to retain that control, then she's asking herself, well, what's the point of making kaiju then? So the only thing she really has left now is just basically getting revenge. Pretty much. Yeah. And Alexis is like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be just making kaiju, and that's it. Pretty much. I want to see the biggest, nastiest kaiju possible appear. Like, I want it as big as the one from, I believe it was episode well, six, where they were... The giant there's a giant, like, Lavos alien that's in the uh, OP sequence that we haven't seen yet. I'm that's ready true. For, I'm ready for the one that Alexis helps her make. That just looks like him. <laughs> it just looks like him. In the original Grid Man, like, the final boss straight up was just Con Digi first, so... That could happen. I mean, I hope they do give this series a definitive conclusion within oh, the next two episodes. But we'll see. It may not be a happy conclusion, but it's going to be a conclusion. That uh, Keichi Hasegawa, boy. It doesn't have to be happy to be good. No, not necessarily, no. I mean, his previous work, Ultraman Nexus, doesn't exactly have a happy ending. It'll, 
It'll square the circle. Actually, no. Nexus's ending is actually pretty much uniformly good. I'm talking about Dinah's ending. What happens at the end of Ultraman Dinah? Uh, the main character gets sucked into a black hole and everybody assumed he was dead until he shows up in a random crossover movie like 10 years later. Wait, what? That's the end of Ultraman? That sounds Yeah, awful. that's how it ends. Asuka straight up sacrifices himself. With regards to Ultraman Nexus not having a happy ending, what I meant by that was um, obviously the Space Beast attacks oh, con that, continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously, like, you've still got the populace of Earth still living in fear of the Space Beasts. That's what I meant in terms of it not having a happy ending. Yeah, I see what you mean now. Like, all of them are not gone. No, the fear of them still exists. But yeah. hey, th that one didn't destroy us this time. And they've got Ultraman Noah to continue to protect them. So yeah, there's that too. I love how they squared the circle of how strong can Anti be. Let's just make him as powerful as Max Gridman in one shot. <laughs> Let's evolve him to the point where he's literally on par with him after one fight. Dude, he picked up some spiral energy, okay? Um, dog, That's exactly did he? what happened. <laughs> can, I, can I talk about how he looks like my favorite gunman a little bit? How he looks, how he looks like Lazengan? Oh. I does! Y'all know oh. me. Y'all know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a villain-loving man. <laughs> so when I see anything cool, and especially like Trigger, like when I saw Lazengan, I was like, mwah. And then when I saw Viral, I was like, mwah. Anti, mwah. Grit Knight, mwah. It's like yeah, good, yeah. but the colors is still, mm. I haven't seen Gurren Lagann, so those references are lost oh, on me. See, now if I watch Dude. G Gundam, you need to watch Gurren Lagann. Imagine well, how cool it would be if uh, they paid, like, if they did this Lazengon thing on purpose, if they gave mm -hmm. him a little bit of Lazengon's move. Because you saw how he moved in, like, some of the extra specials, right, Lambo? Yes. Like, how he he has, like, this very fluid and dexterous movement mm -hmm. that's just super crazy. Oh, I want them to give them that now. I'll get onto Garen Lagan at some point. Like, after I finish watching Razafon, I will watch Garen Lagan. To put it in better perspective for you, mm -hmm. when Vandred hit season two and they were using the blue giant when him yeah. and Dita were using the second version of the blue giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how cool it is. That's how good Garen Lagan is. No way. Lagan is basically Getter Robo, but like made by somebody who you know doesn't have existential crises. <laughs> and, and and to describe how Grid Knight would be, I I would compare that to the Blue Giant, the second yeah. version of it from yeah. Vandrid. Oh wow! In terms of yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Garen Lagan was made by Gainax, right? Yes. Or was no, it Gonzo? Wait, it was Trigger. No, Garen Lagan. Garen Lagan definitely wasn't Trigger. It wasn't no, it was Gynax. It was Gynax because I remember Gynex, watching yeah. it on uh, Sci-Fi. Yeah, yeah, it was Gynax. Full so. Because it had the Gynax symbol at the beginning. So do you want to get onto the absolutely cosmic horror of an ending of that episode? There were two things. So I mentioned the first one already in that Akane, the second form of her kaiju, kind of foregoes a lot of what we expect of kaiju fights because at this point she realizes that her only mission in making kaiju is to just destroy Stuff yep. to tear it all down and it does that first by destroying all the monsters that make the fog so that means that she no longer has control on restructuring the city but it also means that any destruction that happens stays there people remember it so the people who died in that attack are now dead for good like it's not people's memories are not going to get erased of them they're going to remember that their loved ones are dead the second thing that happens is that during this episode, we find out that when Rika and Akane have been saying, oh, yeah, we're neighbors. Why do we never talk to each other anymore? It means that they're actually next door neighbors. And Akane's house is literally right next to the shop that has jumped. Like literally they walk and then they're right there. And then they go inside to go see what's up with Akane. It, it was a major mind <clears throat> screw. I, I can't really explain how bizarre it was to watch that in the actual episode. That so at the end hilarious. of the episode, when um, Gridman and Grid Knight together defeat the new kaiju, Akane is completely broken. And so while she's standing out in the rain after this defeat, she sees or hears the Gridman Alliance celebrating what happened in the shop literally right next to her house. And then so she just wanders in and says, oh, that's where you guys have been this whole time. So now I understand why, you know, you couldn't transform into Gridman in episode five because you didn't have the computer with you. So, yep. and so she's just there talking with them. And then Yuta's like, Akane, I need to help you. You need to understand that you're manipulating. And as he runs over to her to try and get her to like snap out of it, we see him pause and then drop to the floor. And Akane has a bloody box cutter in her hand. 
She the said, come on, puff your wallet. She said, come on, puff your wallet, he beat Come on, pop your pockets, nigga. And like I said, at this point, she does not care about having kaiju fights. She doesn't care about recreating these scenes that she loves from movies or TV shows or whatever. The only thing she cares about is killing Gridman. Absolutely. And so that's what she does. Because obviously Gridman is the ultimate obstacle to her plans. If she can't have Gridman, then nobody can. Pretty much. I love how I'll say real this is about Gridman because... Normally, in true typical fashion, we'd have to wait a long time for the bad guys to go, why don't we just go look for base or get a spy? But the fact that they were right next door to each other kind of makes it interesting from the, the standpoint of Akane, who made this world. Yeah. And she wanted to be so close to Rika. Rika who ends up being part of the Gridman Alliance that's just right next door. I love how distant and how close she is to everybody because she comes off as like this amazing person and she's distant and crazy when you she goes behind closed doors. But how much of a quote-unquote God she is about being all-knowing isn't there at all. Gods are supposed to be all-knowing, all-seeing. They're supposed to know what's going on. They do so much things. They make all these miraculous hello sir again maybe reiterate that sentence you called her at the beginning or that sentence you'd use to describe her because i'm sorry she's certainly losing it yeah but like she you know when you have that word god used especially in that context yeah. there's so much uh that's supposed to be uh implied to it i don't say quote unquote absolutely to implied to it but the fact that she just lost everything to the point that she didn't even know her quote-unquote lucifer was next daughter shows how out of, out touch, of touch she really is because yeah, if that was really the case and she was really calm and composed about it she could have went and nipped the bud in episode like five or six yeah yeah six or seven honestly right yeah. but at that point she she didn't care about killing gridman directly she mm-hmm. wanted control of the city she wanted people to love her as a god she wanted well she wanted to crush people. gridman her way but yeah, she's like it ain't working you're not supposed to shank the you know, you're not supposed to be like, all right, man. She doesn't give you, a fuck anymore. <laughs> you're not supposed to be at the finals of like Tekken and then you me and Meta there and we I just win. I'm like, all right, man, you know, good good game, and you just shank me after I win. It don't work like that. <laughs> nah, dude, just, you cut off the hands, so you can't win the next one. You're supposed to pick up your ball and go home. You're not supposed to <laughs> <laughs> How likely do you guys think it is that Utah is going to come back to life? Of course he's gonna. Oh, come you back know, to life man. There's gonna be some spirit bomb, sensuvin BS. <laughs> what if they actually keep him dead? What What will you guys do then? My internet or what? But I didn't hear you guys at all. Ash asked, "What would happen if they actually killed him? Just killed him off? Oh, what he's not gonna. He just stay dead. He's not gonna stay dead for real. I I sincerely <clears throat> doubt it. If they killed him off, yeah, no, never mind. I don't think that they're gonna kill him off permanently. I think they're gonna find a way to bring him back to life. And I think yeah. that reason is that literally nobody in this season is actually <laughs> is actually a human person. I'm predicting them to go full on Tron with this. Akane is Clue. Yuda is Tron. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would... That's what I'm predicting. Are we Aye. saying that? Um, are we saying Alexis is master? Is an actual alien. <laughs> yep. The, the the only three kaiju that really matter are the two that look like humans and Alexis. Pretty much, yeah. I've not actually seen Tron, by the way. Funny enough, I had a theory that Alexis has been fighting Gridman and the Gridman team for a very long time, and I mean a long time. Uh, to the point where he goes, uh, I know this girl who I can manipulate or something along those lines. Right, right coincidence, right time. She likes this. He manipulates her. He makes this shout out to my Fate Stay fans, this reality marvel or this pocket dimension <laughs> where she gets to be like a god, but he gets to oversee everything and control it, which is why he just casually does it. And if it falls apart, he's like, good, this is going exactly the way I want to. <laughs> he's the real person who wants Gridman out the way. And he's like, I don't even care how I do it anymore. If it goes like this, it goes like this. Hence why he's just so casually happy. Just like, yeah. So long as just... Gridman's trapped there. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't care how you do it. Just do it, Akane. I was about to say, Rika, I'm sorry. I don't care how you do it, Akane. You want to build some more kite? You want, you want some build more kite? The best way to describe Alexis is like when you're mad 
and your friend bothering you that you mad. Oh, what you 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 didn't think I was gonna do that? You wanna you wanna go do that? And they just keep nagging you and nagging you till you just break, and that's when the cycle starts. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, crazy. you 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 know how it is. We got that one friend who just keep egging us on, and then the descent starts. Hey, Lambo. Since um, Ikane stabbed Yuta at the end of episode 10, would you say that her reality marble is the unlimited blade works? Um, <laughs> if she hits everybody with the box cutter, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> she just... Absolutely. She's going to the Hashling and Slasher. Hashling and Slasher, wow. Pushes the broken glasses up. I am the bone of my sword. Have you guys all seen Face Day or any of the Face Day series? I know I, the references, I have. but I've not seen it. Oh, okay. I like him. Me, Te Gusta. While you were fighting Kaiju, Akane studied the way of the box cutter. And <laughs> <laughs> one of my pieces on my blog site, I was talking about an episode close to the end of the original Gridman, where Takeshi, who's the main villain of that series, has to confront basically how much of a shit he actually is. Because there's this random, like, good version clone of himself that appears. And so seeing how easily this character makes friends and gets along with the main trio of kids and just generally ha is happy with his life just drives Takeshi insane to the point where at the end of the episode after his kaiju fails he tries to stab his good self with a box cutter sound familiar was because he arthur fist in the whole time huh pre was he arthur fist in the whole time he saw the good version of him just making friends and being happy yeah, that's exactly Me what he was meanwhile that's he's exactly in the mirror like <laughs> that's him. that is actually him i'm but sorry he, for interrupting he, no, 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 because I, I was just continuing. He can't even go through with it because he recognizes that that good clone of himself <laughs> is the person that he could have been if he just wasn't, you know, like a miserable neurotic wreck all the time and actually tried to make friendships. And I think that's the fundamental thing that Akane doesn't realize is that the Gridman Alliance isn't friends because they like each other. Because Utsumi and Rika definitely don't like each other in the best of times. They are yeah, constantly. Pretty much. They're always at each other's throats. They're friends because all of them have been through a lot together and they know that they can trust each other. Akane wants the benefits of friendship without actually putting herself out there to connect to other people. Takeshi realizes that by the end of the series, that he needs to actually put himself out there to make those connections. Instead of doing that, Akane just goes, fuck this, and then tries to stab Yuta. Do you guys think that Akane will get a redemption arc or do you think she's irredeemable at this point? At this point, I don't think so. By the time she figures it out, it might be too late. I was going to say, Pri, are you saying that the, there is some symbolism between Gridman and him combining with people and other parts to show the Gridman Alliance connection and friendship while none of her robots have any, none of her kaiju have any? Are you implying? Well, I mean, that's the traditional thing in Ultraman series in general is talking about how um, when you have an Ultraman and a human fighting together as one being, it's not just the fact that Ultramans are powerful and they can shoot lasers out of their fists and they're like 50 meters tall. That makes them powerful. They're powerful because they have that connection with other people and they don't fight alone. And right. that's what the Gridman Alliance is about. That's what the Neon Genesis whatever middle school is about and that's the one thing that akane can't do i was just gonna add to pre's ultraman point it's not just a connection with one human being it's a connection with all of mankind that gives them their power exactly yeah how come somebody just can't be a savage you just body people because i was born a savage <laughs> like that's was... common that's common writer that's not all yeah that's common writer man <laughs> you right I was born from a black hole and I was like, I eat stars, nigga. Uh. <laughs> Yo, that's that's why Zio gets subbed on Thursdays and Gridman gets subbed right away. Okay. Oh boy. Keep late on I that need, life. I need I need that belly or redemption art. Speaking of Geo getting um subbed on Thursdays, sorry to take a Tokusatsu related detour, but overtime subs really do need to pull their socks up. Like what the actual hell is going on? Hey man, people people know Zio anti slap, so they're like they can wait. That's why LVP getting the sub right after. But LVP is shit. Well, no, I was about to say because they're doing the, the Garo series at the same time, but they've been doing three shows at once and have gotten them out in time. Somebody gets sick, maybe. It, yeah, maybe. that's definitely a possibility. I was making excuses for color timer subs even because I know all of them have real jobs and, you know, it's the holidays and everybody has finals and stuff. So I'm not going to expect them to get everything out like immediately when it comes out. 
Fair enough. And especially considering that overtime, you know, has been doing this for a while and that they've got professional people on their staff. If they're late on it, then I'm going to assume they have a good reason for it. I do understand that everybody has a life outside of subbing and outside of this like internet weeb shit. But at the same time, like you have a fan base and people expect things at a certain time. Maybe I'm expecting too much from overtime. I want my Japanese children's show subbed and I want it now. Ash, there is a need. Uh, and, and I don't mean to turn this into a like quick tangent, the QMBS, all of a sudden there is a need and a demand that comes from all people who do stuff. That's why we're consumers. Absolutely. So wanna, especially if you put money in something, there is something that you wish to get out. Of course, there's thresholds we make because we're all patient people. But if it's something that's continual and it happens three times, that's a good rule of thumb. If it happens three times and it fails three times, then it's a user error. You hear that that's color it. timer? All right. Set up that Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you listening we got the cash i need to start watching jingo though because apparently it's pretty good yeah it's not is it really not my favorite <laughs> my favorite of the power-ups really when it not. comes to Gridman, just to jump back into grid man yeah, yeah, my, no. my favorite of them is the big guy max that's what i was gonna max? say I love, I love Rambo. I love him so much. It's just because he just like, y'all bother me. Y'all bother me so much. That's him. <laughs> y'all <laughs> bother me. The episode where he follows around Yuta and Rika as they do like the awkward teenage romance thing. And he's yes. like, I can't believe you idiot. That's me. That's <laughs> me. Also, what we didn't mention about episode 10 is that the Gridman Alliance actually go to Akane's house to try and find her. And then they open the door and it's the computer world. Oh, we went over that. And it wasn't Samurai Caliber who ripped the doors off this time. No, it wasn't. actually learned how to walk through a door for once. (laughs) (laughs) No, we didn't go over that, man. We actually didn't. Yeah, because Pre described it. Oh, okay, fair enough. And I wanted to say it was like walking into the digital world. No, no, I wasn't talking about that part. I was talking about the weirdness of watching them leave junk and then the camera pans over just like one screen length and there's Akane's house. See, I did tell you. (laughs) See, I told you we didn't go over it. Meta, you're gonna get hemmed up up in this chat. Oh, you hear this, son? Oh no! I'm gonna put you up in the, to the um the not real wall and just come at you. Oh, We're gonna no. come at you like the Harlem Heat. We coming for you, nigga. <laughs> well, you take a look at the other scene where Akane woke up from her dream, and you look out. There's just a little crack that you can see outside of her window from the shades, and she's surrounded by just the raw computer world in that scene too. So she is <laughs> not in her city anymore when that happens and they state that she'd been gone for like a week she just wasn't coming to school do you think even akane could be a digital construct in this world that's what i was saying she's clue (laughs) i was gonna say what is is your guys predicted endings for the series or what is your hopes i can't predict it Um, same what I think the ending is going to be is <clears throat> all the characters that we've been following in the series are digital copies of real people. So they're going to show us the real people in their own lives outside of the computer world, but they're going to have no idea what happened inside the computer world. That's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> Go on, Matt. Oh, I want to bounce off a of freeze idea because that's really excellent. I would love for that to happen. And at the same time, I would love to have the digital ones like Yuta is like stabbed right now. And Akane's like, I have one last kaiju because I want to level everything to the ground because, you know, she's so mentally snapped. And I want that kaiju to just be wrecking the crap out of the city. So I want Yuta to have to step in. You know, he's all bleeding out and he's like, ah, let's go, grid man. So, you know, he's not really fighting at full power, but he goes at it and it sort of ends in like a stalemate to where he takes it out. But at the same time, that digital form of Yuta is sort of just like shot. So basically where I'm at is I'd like to take pre's ending and build upon that. Whereas in like Akane's actions within the digital world have implications for the counterparts of the digital constructed people in the real world. Um, As for what those implications will be, I don't know. And also I would like SSSS Gridman to eventually have a happy ending. So basically I'd like the characters to retain memories of what actually happened in the digital world or have some sort of vision of what happened in a digital world. But then maybe be it ends happily or they basically embrace the real world Akane Shinjo and maybe offer her friendship or something like that. They're just like, let's stop her from becoming a psychopath. Yeah, to stop her from becoming a psychopath. Oh, yeah, that'd be a really good ending. So it's like the chance to start over again. Yeah, pretty much. And then Yuta and obviously Rika pair off and then maybe Utsumi and Akane pair off and they all live happily ever after. And then we get a shot of Gridman and the Gridman Alliance inside the digital world or something like that, smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, before I move on. 
one thing that one theory that I've been hearing bouncing around in a couple of places yeah. is the idea that what if the <clears throat> final action climax of the series in the last episode is an actual live action fight? Could you imagine how awesome that would be? They break that'd the be, fourth wall. They're just that'd like... be the best thing ever. And I'm not exaggerating because I say best thing ever or the coolest thing ever a lot on these shows. That I would put that in my top five be, immediately. That would actually yeah. be the best thing ever. I'd slept that right on my top five. Do you think they would have the balls to do that with just being an anime? We know the suit exists. We know they still have the original. Do you think they would have the balls to do it, though? Because, like, I feel like it's so anime that people would be like, I don't like that they did the live action portion. That's terrible. Like, you know how anime fans are. We'll find out. Or we get a bunch of panels of different types of Gridman, and one of them happens to be the live action one. And we also know that a suit of a live action suit of the SSSS Gridman incarnation of Gridman exists as well because it's been seen at a few promo events. So this happening is not out of the question. The live action fight to um, in the last episode. So, um, guys, just before we end off the podcast, you just want to give some final thoughts on episodes nine and ten of SSS Gridman and then we'll start doing our plugs and promos and then we'll end the show. So pre. I loved watching people's reactions to this because this series has brought in a lot of people who are unfamiliar with Tsuburaya stuff and with stuff from the main writer, Keiichi Hasegawa. And even for people who have been following Tsuburaya stuff for a while and enjoyed those types of stories, even we were floored by how the last episode ended. And so seeing people who had no idea what was coming freak out was the most fun I've had on Twitter in a long time. Um, Lambo and Meta? Go on, Lambo. This is ripening the the already good show that it already is. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought like a fool. This is going to be really great. Like, it's already tensed up. I'm already on edge. I'm looking forward to Saturday when it comes out again to see what's going to happen. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen at the end. I'll be real with you. I'm still looking forward to Alexis's true form. Just seeing him and Gridman and Grid Knight all battle. I want to <laughs> see that. It's just good, man. I'm just... I'm just hyped to watch it. I got nothing really good to say that's going to be like clever or witty or anything. Nigga, it's just good. Goddamn. Meta? Yeah, it's amazing. I, uh, I I absolutely love the hype built around it. Like, And it's not it's not overdone hype either because everything that they've done up to this point has either exceeded expectations or it's been at least above expectations. Like you're going to have episodes that are a solid 8 out of 10 every time. You're not going to have that one terrible episode in the series. At least I haven't. So overall, if they don't fumble the ending, I'm probably going to give it like a 9.5 out of 10. It's just been one of those that it hooks you and keeps you on. And I would absolutely love it as if if there was like an after credit scene after the credits rolled, sort of like a Marvel movie where Alexis just walks up to Utsumi and is like, so you like Kaiju, huh? That would be amazing. But Ash, on to your final thoughts. I really enjoy these last two episodes. I really enjoy enjoyed immensely enjoyed the development that Akane was given it gave us an insight into her machinations um, into her thoughts her feelings into what is fueling her psychosis it also allows us it also paints a very visceral picture of her descent into complete and utter madness and her willingness to maintain the status quo at all costs Um, In terms of the ending, I absolutely have no idea how this show is going to end. I trust Keiichi Hasegawa to give the show a paramount or complete ending, but I have no idea how it's going to end. I sincerely hope it's a happy ending, but even if it isn't, as long as the ending is good and is conclusive, I'm fine with that. There's not really much else I can say, to be perfectly honest. I'm assuming the next episode will be with uh, the series wrapped up, right? No, so there's two more episodes left. There's 11 and 12. So we get get hype next episode, and then it all topples itself after next week. Yeah, I think so. there's probably still one more big twist that's going to drop next week, and it'll probably be sort of the origins of um, Alexis and where all this started. And so next episode will probably end on that bombshell. And then Saturday is going to be, okay, how do the we to save the world? I, I hope um, Hasegawa doesn't go Urobuchi on us, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he doesn't go Urobuchi in the sense <laughs> that, like, everything the heroes is fighting for is meaningless. And all they can do is just, you know, barely have a stalemate at the end of everything. That's That's not Hasegawa's style. Okay, that's good to know. The heroes will win, but at least one of them may have to die for it to happen. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All my homies in the street. The way it's going to be is how the evil guy do his thing. The final episode, knuck if you buck. 
for 24 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Crime mob, yeah? Exactly. Just all of the ways. This isn't ATL, but they still fighting to it. Oh, man. With you saying that, that would sort of suck if Akane lost her life. I feel like everyone would be a little bit upset about that because they just would they'd be trying so hard to save her. And she's just like she kills over. At this point, yeah, she just really doesn't think that she's worth saving. And I think that's what's going to kill them more than anything else is all of them want her to, you know, see what she's doing wrong and become a better person. And she just doesn't care about that now. But what I think might happen is that the Gridman Alliance, like, might speak to her or convince her that she's worth saving eventually, maybe, possibly, if they see some sort of redeeming qualities in her. We've seen interactions with Gridman sort of enhance or elevate other people's lives already. Yeah. Both in terms of saving people by not getting killed by Akane, but also also in the people that Yuda has interacted with and Gridman has protected. So we've seen that happen repeatedly. So it's definitely possible that Yuda's example and Gridman can help save Akane still. Because Gridman got the juice. He has. <laughs> or she might die. I mean, I don't really mind either way, to be perfectly honest. Nah, I think she's going to get redemption and immediately die. <clears throat> well, we'll figure it out when it happens. Next time. If Hasekawa does kill her off, it will be the perfect revenge for Trigger's insistence on gratuitous fan service, to be perfectly honest. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo, facts, homie. Yo, facts. Facts, my nigga. Facts. Why did Super Ryan prove that? I'm so baffled. I honestly don't mind anime titties, but I don't like anime titties on a 15-year-old. It's not cool, bro. It's not cool. <laughs> and on that note, where can we find you guys on social media? Lambo? Oh, sweet. I get to go first. Um, I am on Twitter at Lambo underscore Cal Risk. I am the John Constantine of Neighborry. Uh, I will go back to Childish Lambino after the holiday season. So don't worry. That name will be there still. Um, please check me out on YouTube. I do lore about Karate Bugmen. That will soon be about uh, Cosmic Men and Team Spandex People. I'm doing more of that too. And I am the dude in charge of the Kaidon. So QMBS, my podcast, Tohu Teens, and a few other ones when they get back and rolling. We all streaming out from there. We homies with the Legion. So of course, we will be supporting you guys as you support us. Matafactor. Oh, you can find me at Twitter at the Metafactor, making it hard to follow up Big Boss Man over there. I don't know. I'm not a content creator anymore. <laughs> Pre, you're up. Uh, I'm still same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, Sunglass Pre on Twitter, and you can find my blog at Capes and Cool Scarves, where I talk about lots of Ultraman, lots of Karate Bugman, a little bit of comics, a little bit of movies, whatever strikes my fancy. You can find me on Twitter at the Macabre Chat. You can find my usual partner in crime, Sentai5, on Twitter at Sentai5. You can find me on Instagram, same place, at the Macabre Chat. You can find Billcasters on Twitter and Instagram at Billcasters. You can find Legion of Boom on Twitter and Instagram at Legion, that's L-E-G-1-0-N, of Boom. And you can also find us on YouTube as well and SoundCloud. And if you can, guys, I don't really like to ask, but if you can, please leave us a review and some ratings on iTunes because it will help us to get up the rankings. So without further ado, Buildcasters Guidance out. Say bye, guys. Bye. Goodbye. Peace, homies. Oh, yeah. You know, I had to sneak it in one time. <laughs> oh, that was fun. See ya. I can't oh, wait man. to talk about the finale. Holy shit. Battle, Battle ended. ended. Battle ended.